Hello, listeners, and welcome to this brand new mini series I created called Overcoming Fear to Live the Life I Choose. I had the incredible opportunity to interview 10 women who chose to face their fears and create the life they wanted rather than living in the shadow of fear and settling for the life they were living. My intention with this mini series is to inspire each listener to walk with their fears and change the direction of their lives. Whether it's leaving a long-time relationship or quitting a job, maybe starting a new business or navigating death, experiencing health issues, whatever it is, fear doesn't have to be eliminated or conquered. It just needs to be understood and embraced and then told to take a back seat because this babe is behind the wheel and we're going on a new road trip. Each person overcame fear to tell their story to you and I hope you enjoy and are inspired by each one. Welcome to another episode of challenging your fears, embracing your fears, hugging your fears, not believing your fears, whatever you want to call it. Uh, today, um, I'd love for you to hear Micah's story or MK. And the thing that stands out the most for me with her story is her age. Not that I want to harp on your age, but you, you arrived on this planet as an old soul. So at 25 years old, you have discovered and learned things that most of us are learning when we turn 50 or 55 or 60. Or, so I think it's such a beautiful opportunity for us to re, re, to remember that doesn't matter how old you are, that you can be wise at five or 50 and you can embrace your fears at 20 or six, 70. So let's talk about your story, which is really about breaking generational patterns or cycles. And I'm going to get you to start just by sharing what your tradition is, what, what tradition you are coming from. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mia. It's an honor to be here. Uh, yeah. So a little bit about me. Um, I, my name is Micah. Uh, I am Hmong. I'm part of the Hmong community. And my family um, are from a refugee camp in Thailand. We immigrated here to the United States when I was six years old. Six years old. And Hmong being H-M-O-N-G. Yes. Correct. Okay. T just tell us a little bit about that culture, just so we have a framework for um, the story that you're going to share. Yeah. So um, Hmong is actually, you know, a group of uh, ethnic groups uh, that are known for, you know, being nomads. Um, our ancestors originated from China, and then they, you know, flew to... Uh, Laos because of war and then you know we all separated to Thailand to other parts of the world um to like different refugee camps and then now we're here in the states and did your parents immigrate or did your grandparents um uh, my grandparents well my, my parents too so uh my my grandparents and my parents they're all born in Laos and then they moved to Thailand where you know I was born and then we came here okay Got it. So tell us what your story is around your fear story in whatever way that you want. So my fear story, um, I would say a lot of, um, you know, I would say my story focuses a lot on um, breaking generational curses 
and breaking generational pattern. Um, so I grew up in a very traditional and a very strict um, home where, you know, oftentimes men overpower women and children have, you know, no voice at all um, besides, you know, having to do what they're told. And so as the oldest out of seven of us siblings total, um, it was a lot on my plate. Uh, for one, being a girl, and for two, um, being surrounded by men. Um, and so, in that way, it was, I was born kind of rebellious too. And so, because I, I've always just thought, you know, that it wasn't right. And so, it was, it was really hard for me because it was a lot of pressure on me to not be able to, you know, do what I wanted to do, you know, in terms of expressing my opinion, asking for clarifications or for reasons and for, um, and another part of that was to, oh, my mind just went blank. Yeah, so, uh, it was, it was just very hard for me because it's like, I just can't seem to be, to have the freedom to be who I am. And another part, um, it came back now, uh, was, you know, that at a young age, I was groomed to people please um, because oftentimes it has to do with, you know, as a kid, I have to, you know, save my parents' pride or save their faces. But it's like, you know, why should I do that when, um when um there's you know a disconnect when there's no respect there um so it, it was a lot of hard on my plate because I was wearing multiple hats at such a young age being pulled into different directions mm -hmm. and I was just very confused um which resulted in me you know falling into depression at a at such a young age at six years old and which took a toll on my health for over 16 years. Um, I was in depression for 16 years. And 16? 16 years. 16 from years. Age, from age six to until I think, after, until I think almost my last year of college, when I finally have the time to go study abroad and I was away from everything. That was when I really start, you know, doing all the shadow work, taking off, you know, all those masks, taking off all those hats and really having to unlearn everything that I learned, I've been conditioned to learn to really figure out who I was and who I am um, with no external voice, no validations, no one telling me, you know, what to do and who, you know, who to be like. Mm. So, okay, so a few things. So you were the oldest sibling of seven only one sister so five brothers so you were in a you were in a testosterone pool you were listening living in a test you're swimming every day in a testosterone pool um I love that line that you said I was groomed to people please from a very young age and that is a really powerful statement especially being that I believe there's a lot of people who are maybe not quite at the level that you are because your culture, um, obviously your culture is different than our culture, but still, I think as women or girls from a young age, 
We're taught to be pretty, be quiet, be nice, do everything for everybody, make sure everyone feels okay. You know, that's just how we have been groomed. And it's going to take your generation and your kids' generation to like really kibosh that ridiculousness. It, it's great to be that way when you choose to be that way. Mm -hmm. Not when you're told to be that way. So tell me some, or tell us, share with us some of the, uh, well, actually, I think when we originally spoke, you identified that what your greatest fear was, was saying no. Yes. Learning to say no and setting boundaries. So to share with us a little bit about some of the strategies or tactics or tools that you use to be able to step over and start living a different life yeah um it, it was actually very difficult for me um it took me oh my goodness so many years to learn how to say no and to you know actually set up boundaries um and I don't think I don't think I've learned to commit to those boundaries until uh, a year after I started my healing journey and started doing all my shadow work. And, you know, some one of the things that was very helpful was reflection, doing reflection and really, you know, taking choose, you know, and, and reconnecting with myself and knowing what is right for me, what is wrong for me, and what do I, you know, and like what my definitions for um for my life is compared to the definitions that you know we're getting by others so reflection has definitely been helpful and then practicing gratitude you know having to choosing everything like choosing like nitty uh and nitty bitty pieces from my past and saying hey you know i went through all this but this came out of it and it was good and it supported me and my growth in this way. And so that definitely was helpful and, you know, sticking to my boundary. And it, it was very, I guess I found the power, in, the power in it to commit to saying no and to stand my ground through that. Yeah, they almost feed off each other, don't they? Learning to say no and setting your boundaries and learning to say no and setting your boundaries. You also... Um, touched on in our original conversation the commitment to time time yes time is very important um a lot of people um especially as as a as a life coach too because i i um as a coach i help people through the healing journey as well and i noticed that i noticed this pattern that whenever you ask for people or you encourage others to work on themselves and to um, commit to themselves. It's very hard. It's like, for one, it's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And so, because we live in such a busy society where, you know, we're always running around doing this and that. It's like, oh, you know, I just don't have time to work on myself. But it's kind of like, at the end of the day, it's kind of like, if you're, run, if you're willing to run an extra mile for someone, why can't you do it for yourself? And then for two, commitment is sometimes a lot of people, they fear putting in the time and the commitment to work on themselves because they don't want to look back on everything that they've been through. They don't want to 
feel all those pain pain again and all the sufferings again but it's like if you don't put in that time and the commitment to look back and to fully embrace what you've been through then you're not going to get anywhere it's not gonna you're not going to get something out of it it's not you're going to continue to be stuck in the pattern your experiences are going to repeat itself until you stop take a break you know look back at it and learn something from it that's right it, because every everything in life is a lesson if you choose it to be if you choose it to be um and to to recognize this at 25 again i commend you because most people are not looking at this at 25 years of age they're looking at it when their children have grown up and have left the house and now they're looking at their husband and going who are you i mean i only know you through survival like who are you but wait a second who am i so for you to be facing looking in the mirror at 25 is going to be such a gift for your children when you have them because you're going to have such a a rich and healthy environment to raise those little tiny humans rather than pa passing on the broken down versions that are just expected. I, I really hope so. That's my goal. <laughs> Good for you. Um, okay. So tell us what, um, what was on the other side of the fear so once oh actually before we do that just tell us a little bit about that story around going abroad and taking off the masks and not putting them back on oh goodness um uh, that was very that was very um uh, that was very brave of me to do that um because and i guess through that 16 years of depression, I was ready for it. And I felt like that was just the opportunity to go abroad was just a God given moment. Well, it was a miracle for me uh, because that's all I wanted to you know to do and to have, you know, just a place to start fresh, a place to where no one knows me and, and no one is telling me who to be. And so you know, through through my 16 years of depression, <clears throat> there was a lot of moments where I tried to work on myself, but then at the end of the day, it's like I'm surrounded by all these external factors. Mm. That's that just kept pressuring me down and down. It's just kept beating me to the point where I was like, okay, this is not a place to do it. And so when I went to study abroad, it was the space that I was praying for and so that's how I really did it. That's how I really, you know, just came to be. But uh, I I found this really helpful. Um, a lot of people may disagree with me uh, with what I did. But for me, it was really helpful. For the first two months that I was in Taiwan, um, I did not contact my family members unless it was like an emergency. And so uh, I, I contacted no one. I just went to study abroad, just focus on school, focus on myself. And then I came back home for about a week. And that one week that I was home, I just knew that I wasn't ready. Uh, and so, you know, it was just very bad. It, it was just very, I felt like that one week that I came home, I felt like I just came back, you know, I, I came back to war. 
for that mm-hmm. entire week. Like I flew to study abroad in China. And when I was in China for the first three months, I just spent working on myself. Really, you know, that was really when I took time to reflect. The two months I was away in Taiwan, I just spent on enjoying who I am. I I like to say the first two months I let out, I let the girl, the little girl who was forced to grow up a little bit too soon, I let her out to come out and play. Hmm. The two months that I did and um, I want, I basically just had fun and just, you know, live the life that I kind of wish I had. And then when I went to study abroad in China for the first three months, that was when I started journaling, I started reflecting, I started you know, getting to know myself and reconnecting with myself, you know, and was like, okay, MK, you know, this is who we are. This is who we're not. This is what is right for us. This is what's not right for us. This is our definition of, you know, success. This is our definition of happiness. Mm. And that really when I really started reconnecting with myself and resetting my life and renavigating, you know, my life. Um, journey and then after just the first those three months I noticed that I I felt a little bit more ready so I started you know connecting with everyone from back home and was like hey you know I'm still alive I'm doing well and just really you know reconnecting and just I guess you know making my way back into that negative energetic negative energetic field that I for so long fought, fought and wanted to be away from and so when I came back um so I went to China for five months after those five months I came back I was a totally new person I'm very different from you know the girl that my parents on top of other airport <laughs> and they were, very, they were quite shocked of you know, just who I became because they're like you know you came back a totally new person like I don't even know you anymore like are you even still my daughter and so um you know staying yes you know it was a different battle coming back the battle it I would say it's still a different, it's still the same battle, but it's more, it's more complex. And I felt like for myself, I I now was more ready than ever to actually fought this battle head on instead of being submissive and surrendering to the battle. Wow. And in some ways, if I'm hearing you correctly, even being back, in some ways, you've just removed yourself from the battle because there's no need to fight. You... Yes, yes, there, there really is no battle um, to fight because at the end of the day, you're just in two separate worlds. Yeah. It, it's just two separate worlds that just happen to, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like a wall, like uh, let's say like a townhome. You know, it's just a wall to separate us. And so, yes, when it's and then when we're clashing with each other, that's basically us just looking at the window, and was like, hey, I see you. But then at the end of the day, it's like there's a wall between us, so there's really no battle, because 
you know, you're in your own field, I'm in my own field, and the wall is basically my boundary. So the relationship with your family right now, it sounds like it's complicated. It, it is. It really, it, it really is complicated. Um, but, you know, um, like we were, t like I was telling you earlier in our conversation, because I went through what I went through, I was able to create path for my siblings to walk on. I was able to shed some light on these issues from siblings. So yes, it is complicated, but I no longer felt like I was alone in, in this battle. Mm. Because my siblings are also fighting against this battle with me. Um, the, the phrase that popped into my mind when you were sharing that is loving people from a distance. Yeah. Sometimes you have to love people from a distance. Sometimes it's okay to love people from the from a distance. Uh, it mm -hmm. doesn't mean you don't love them. Just sometimes distance is the strategy that works best. It must be very um, it must be very scary for your parents because of course they were brought up in a very strict culture. Uh, yours would have changed slightly because you grew up in the United States. You're in Minnesota. Um, so having uh, compassion, of course, is part of this process as well. Compassion for where they're at on their journey and where you are. Definitely. It takes a lot of energy, a lot of compassion, and just a lot of respect for, you know, um, and a, a lot of respect and understanding for, you know, the two, um, the, for the, the differences. And so, yes, it definitely is um, difficult, but at the end of the day, you know, there's really, you can't change someone unless they want to change themselves. Mm -hmm. And so I'll just, sometimes we just have to come to terms with that. And I, I, like just kind of like you know with technology it's always it's constantly changing and upgrading and so I feel like with times you know people are always growing in that way and so I I have faith that you know whatever we're going through in life that whatever we're doing that with time um things you know will come to be acceptable things will come to be there there will be a phase in a time where things will come to be you know understood Mm. Tell me one word that you would use to describe yourself. One word, I would say, I would say I am brave. Ah. Yeah, I would say I am brave. I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I would say I am brave um, <clears throat> because I, 16 years of depression was, is a lot. And to be in that mindset, to be in that state of mind for such a long time, it's like, if, you, if you're not mentally strong, anything could happen. Mm -hmm. um, you know, at the worst, it could be, you know, suicide. Um, but, you know, and it, it takes a very strong mind to be able to stay out of to come out of it and be like I've been there but 
that is now my inspiration to lead a better life. As I ever say, I think Brave would definitely describe who I am. Wow. <clears throat> Again, I want to thank you for taking time to share your story. Um, and again, I want to just um, remind people that this is this is a twenty five year old person with this wisdom. And I think age is just a chronological number that we use as humans to determine how many years we've been on this planet. Uh, you clearly have been on this planet a few times. <laughs> this isn't your first rodeo. <laughs> um, because what you had have to share is so wise and it's so old and it's so important, especially the part about breaking the generational patterns. So I really appreciate your honesty, your commitment to yourself at such a young age. You're, like I said, your children are going to be so blessed um, and whoever comes into your orbit, of course, and um, whoever hears your message and it lands, that's what, that's what these stories are about. So thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you, Mia. Thank you so much for your kind words and for having me here today. It has been such an honor. Thank you.